0: Now turn with me, in the closing moments of our meeting, to Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight, and we're just going to read three verses at the start of the chapter. Luke chapter eight, and we're reading from verse one to verse three. Then we have a little prayer. Luke chapter eight, verse one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so it's easy to find. Luke chapter 8, reading of course from the authorised version. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils and Joanna the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. We'll end the reading there at verse 3 and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading short as it is of the Holy Scriptures Lord we cry unto thee with our Bibles open, we say with the psalmist open thy mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, Lord come and enlighten our minds of understanding, help us to behold thy truth make it more precious than fine gold, even help us to esteem thy word more than our necessary food O oh God we pray that we will know that the Lord is speaking to us. And let it be thus and thus saith the Lord to our hearts. We plead the blood to this end. Amen. Lord, what we ask for our, our pulpit ministration tonight. We pray for all our sister congregations at home and abroad. We, we even commit the work of God and garva it to thee. We thank you for it. And O oh God, we ask thee that thou will bless the preaching of thy word there in that town. Amidst that congregation. And we pray that through the preaching of the word of God, souls will be saved. Lord, that's what we long for. Is it not written that please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe? And, O God, we pray that the uplifting of Christ, the setting of him forth, will be used of thyself to draw sinners unto thee this very night throughout this province. Do it, we pray, for thy glory. We plead the blood to this end. We ask for the help of thy Holy Spirit. Now shut us in with thee. Let the testimony be raised up. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus come into my heart. Lord do it for thy glory. Just be with us now. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Now my text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 8. And the verse 2. And my subject this evening. Is the transformation of of Mary Magdalene. Now, the person of Mary Magdalene has received a tremendous amount of attention, especially in the past 10 years. Uh, Sadly, a lot of controversy has been fuelled by the book uh, called The Da Vinci Code, uh, written by Dan Brown. That book was first published in um, 2003, I'm told by those that know these things that there's over 40 million copies to date have been sold, making the author about 200 million pounds. Money will not do him any good. But part of Dan Brown's thesis is that Christendom, particularly in the guise of um, Roman Catholicism have conspired to keep the real truth about Mary Magdalene and Jesus hidden. Now there's no evidence that Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ were ever married. To to say so, I believe, is blasphemous. I believe it's devil-inspired. I say that because the scriptures doesn't teach that Jesus Christ was married to Mary Magdalene or vice versa. To claim such as true is a slander on the person and character of Christ. And hearing recently and talking to someone else about Mary Magdalene, I've asked myself, what kind of woman was she? What does the Bible actually tell us about her? And my mind was drawn to Luke chapter 8 and the verse 2, and we read here, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Now, here we're told in the context. That Jesus Christ was going throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. Along with them were certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And one of them was called Mary from Magdala. And out of her had been cast seven devils. And that's all that we're told. A woman possessed and controlled by seven devils. And one day she met Christ in the land of Israel. And she was set free, possibly when he came to the little town or village of Magdala. And he delivered her. And now she's in the company of Christ. Uh, And now she's ministering unto him along with the other women of their substance. And she's enjoying hearing him teach and preach. And in the context here, uh, they have to have heard the parable of the sower, if you read from verse 4 onwards. Now here's a little bit of evidence about her transformation by the grace of God, or evidence of her conversion. And I just want you to think of three things tonight. I want you to think of the particulars of her transformation. What are we told about her? Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven devils. So I want you to think of this woman possessed and controlled by seven devils. Seven evil spirits that held sway over her life. uh, Seven devils evil spirits that lived inside of her, that had her under their spell and power and rule, and no doubt tormented her. Then one day, she met Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ set her free, because we're told, out of whom went seven devils. And the Bible tells us, to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we could ask for a time, Mary Magdalene, she lived in Medella. What's keeping you back from Christ, Mary? And the answer would be these seven devils that live inside of me. And I want to ask this tonight. How many devils are keeping you back from Christ? Let's focus for a minute on the seven devils. That's the particular of her transformation. Now, now what about the devil of procrastination? The devil that tells you in your mind you've plenty of time. The devil that whispers in your ear not yet or tomorrow. And isn't that one of the devil's devices to stop men and women coming to Christ? They know they're sinners. They know they need to be saved. They know the tenets and truths of the gospel. They know that Christ is the only saviour of sinners. They they, um, know that one day they they, um, intend to get saved. They, they know that one day they want to be in heaven and they're waiting and they tell themselves, not yet. Someday down the line, preacher, I'll sort it out. I'll get right with God, but not yet. Remember, um, um, uh, Felix, um, when I have a more convenient season, I will call upon you. Proverbs 27 and 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. They live in a day of uncertainty, don't we? We can be taken suddenly, as David has testified about this woman, uh, from this scene of time. And the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. And today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. See, the old devil within men and women will say, Not yet. Why are they not saved? Because they're under his control. And he's telling them about tomorrow. He's getting them to put it off. And that's a terrible position to be in. Doesn't the Bible say, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is needed. (laughs) Let's think about another devil. The second one, we'll call him the devil of agitation. And how the devil gets individuals to look at other people. And gets their eyes fixated on them and what they're doing and what they're saying. And the mindset is, look at what she's doing. Look at what he's doing. If that's a Christian, I want nothing to do with it. And there's an air of superiority comes in. I'm better than that. I I don't commit their sins. Remember the story in Luke 18 of the uh, publican and the Pharisee that were in the temple, uh, uh, the house of God. And the Pharisee, uh, he um, thought that he was better than this publican and better than other men because of the things that he didn't do and the things that he did do. He measured himself by his own standard. He he measured himself by uh, being better than others. There may even be those tonight that be saying, well, look at what she did to me. Look at what she said to me. Look, look at what he did. Look at what he said to me. Uh, and and, and there, there's hurt there. Uh, and, and sadly, they're been held in the grip of the devil's power. Uh, and we have to say tonight, what does it matter? Don't look at others. You see, we talked this morning about this day of accounting. And in that day, we'll all answer for ourselves. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And you see, it's keeping men and women back from coming to Christ. And we need to get our eyes off men and women. And as the hymn writer says, turn your eyes on Jesus. Remember, he said, look unto me and be ye saved. The hymn writer, there's life for a look at the crucified one. It's interesting, a little story of a man, a preacher, who wanted to quit. He'd become very discouraged in his church. I believe discouragement comes from the devil. And of course, we'll all face times of discouragement, but it's how we meet it. And um, we must expect, uh, even from unexpected sources, criticism, persecution, opposition, that will lead to discouragement he had been discouraged because of someone's critical tongue and he had forgot that he needed to tramp on it and he, he, he took his eyes uh, off Christ and put them on this individual that was criticizing him and he wrote his resignation and of course he, he went to the bishop and the bishop was very sympathetic and he said to him these words have the people spat on you no Did they smite you? No. Did they strip you naked? No. Did they scourge you? No. Did they spike you to a tree? No. And he got the message because he was looking upon individuals and his eyes were off the Lord. And, and isn't there much agitation in people's hearts and minds because of what others are doing and it impacts and affects upon us? What about the devil of elevation? How many tonight in Northern Ireland have elev- elevated the church above Christ? How many people, even in the doors, talk about my church? Oh, I've got my church, Reverend McLaughlin. I have got my faith. And you see, they say that as if the church is going to get them into heaven. The late Ernie Allen produced that great little tract, Which Church Saves? Remember, giving it out. And of course, the answer is none. And there's many deceive. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't save. There's no Protestant church in Northern Ireland that saves. And people that talk about my church, whether it's Methodist or Church of Ireland or Presbyterian, they are deluding themselves. And of course, we as Free Presbyterian ministers, we don't try to convert people to, to the Free Presbyterian Church. It's not the church that saves. It's Christ. Acts 4 and 12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I know that this little church, along with many free Presbyterian churches by, we, we'll call them the, the, um, the, the uh, uh, other denominations, uh, they, they look down upon our little church. They look upon us as a breakaway group. A church that causes division and so on and so forth. But here's a great truth that they've forgotten. It's not the church that saves. And wouldn't it be tremendous if in some of these churches that the minister stood up on the pulpit and told them, don't elevate this church for this church can't get any of us into heaven. Only Christ saves. Because that's the message. The Bible tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. And I'm delighted you've come. I'm sorry there's not more of the congregation here tonight. Yes, we look forward to the day when we'd love to see the building filled. The Lord is able. I believe the Lord is able to finance us well. We we thank uh, the Lord already for the gifts that have come in. But, you know, joining the church... Becoming a member is a completely different thing from being found in Christ. There's people who are not communicant members of the church and yet they're saved and in Christ and on the road for heaven and home. Very quickly, what about the devil of consternation? Do you know how many people blame God for things that happen, especially bad things? Mm. There's a lot of suffering in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of evil around, many, many big issues. You take, if I can mention it very reverently, um, people that suffer with cancer. They're in real pain in my family and Rosie's family. We know about those of our loved ones who who suffer from uh, such a a, a disease. Uh, Rosie has a nephew. I've got a full cousin. And, you know, oftentimes in addressing people that are suffering, the thought is, why me? Why has God allowed this to happen to me? I I think of Ruth 1 and 19 where she testified after 10 years, the Lord had dealt bitterly against me. I went out full. I've come home empty. What was Ruth or, or Naomi doing? She was blaming God. She was saying, you know, it's the Lord's fault. His hand was heavy against me. And, and I would say to people that want to blame God and their mind is filled with the consternation, it's his fault, let's lift our eyes to Calvary. Let's see what God the Father did to his son who was sinlessly perfect when he made his soul an offering for sin. You think of Christ as a substitute. Think of Christ as surety. Think of Christ as sin-bearer. Christ the sin-offering. Christ the sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Brought to the point where he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What about the devil of rebellion? Aren't there people tonight and they're not interested in the gospel? And like Gallio, they they care for none of these things. You tell them about God and Jesus Christ and the love of God and salvation. And they've got a soul about sin and whatever. And they're just not interested. They're dead to it all. It's as if they're, they're sound asleep and you can't awake them. The Bible, of course, calls awake thou that sleepest. And we long to see those that are rebellious and reckless in sin raised up again. What about the devil of exemplification? I've come across some people recently and they've told me, you know, here's a little phrase, ah, preacher, once bitten, twice shy. What did that mean? I'll tell you what it meant it meant that they had made a profession. And it lasted for a few weeks or a few months. And then it seemed to be in their life the whole thing fizzled out. And they've said, you know, wild horses wouldn't get me into the church. And there's no going back for me. I, I, I have tried it. And it's not real. It doesn't work. You know, Jesus is not a drug that, that you try. I've said to such people, there's a difference between a profession And the possession of Christ. If you tasted Christ and the the grace of God and experienced the real thing, you'd have been genuinely converted because there's a big difference between the real thing and that which is not real. And yet how many exemplify their experience of what they, they have come through? And that's a stumbling block and a barrier to them Um, coming and staying away from the Lord. What about the devil of rebelliousness? Privilege of a Christian home, privilege of the house of God, save parents who love the Lord, godly father and mother, and yet many young people kick against it. Know all about it, preacher, have grown up with it. And what do they want? They want to, like the prodigal, to to go their own way, to to go into the world and taste of the things of the world. Uh, There's pleasure in sin for a season. And what do they want to live? A life of independence from God. An independence from the church, a life of rebellion and a life of recklessness. And we have said before, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will deceive you, sin will destroy you, sin will damn you. Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be. Isn't that the worst death of all? And here are these devils at work in Mary Magdalene, seven of them. And I've only tried to, to spiritualize them if I could. And I asked, what kept their back? These seven devils. And what's keeping you back? Is it one of these seven devils or of all of them at work at the one time? Notice very quickly, because her time is gone, the perfection of her transformation. Seven's the number of perfection, isn't it, in the Bible? Biblical numerics, seven's the number of perfection. So there was perfect darkness. And then, because she met Jesus Christ, there was perfect deliverance. It says, out of whom went seven devils. So this woman who was in perfect darkness is now brought into a state of perfect deliverance. You see, the gospel is not bad news. We hear bad news all the time in the television. We hear of sad news. But but the gospel's neither. The gospel's glad news. And in fact, it says in the context that, that Jesus went out throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. This glad news was preached. There was the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, the, 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 the Lord came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, grace was poured from his lips. It, it, it knew no limits. Every city was visited. Every village was visited. One day he had to come to, 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 to Medella. Mary Magdalene was there. She could not break free by herself. But she discovered there was one in her midst who could set her free. He probably did it by speaking the word, come you out of her. And through the word, this woman who was in perfect darkness was brought into to perfect deliverance. I could <coughs> tell you tonight about a man called Robert Bates. Dr. <coughs> McIlveen might know of him better than me. He's only a name to me, one of the Shankle Butchers, a man guilty of many her... Horrendous crimes. It's alleged that he murdered at least 10 people. I I will not go into any of the gory details, but I want you to know this, that Robert Bates was saved in prison. He was gloriously brought to Christ. There's a man you could say, there's no hope for him. It's impossible. The, the, The man's doomed and damned. And yet the Bible says to whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And when Jesus sets a man free or a woman free, even though they're in perfect darkness, they're brought into perfect deliverance. There's the perfection of our transformation. We'll close with the power of our transformation. It mentions here Mary called Magdalene. Verse 3, and many others were ministered unto him, of their substance you see this woman who was set free had experienced this perfect deliverance this woman was changed the bible says if any man be in christ he's a new creature all things have passed away and all things have become new Uh, this woman was in the company of christ isn't that a wonderful thing To, to to know that you're in a right relationship with the lord And you can have communion and fellowship with him on a daily basis, no matter what life throws at you. And this woman who was changed, and this woman who was in the company of Christ, that this woman was committed to Christ. She was consecrated to him. You see, she had been set free. And now she wants to live a life of faithful service to the Lord. And here we read, which ministered unto him of their substance. She did what she could for the Lord. And we we know from John chapter 20, this was the woman that helped reveal the truth of the resurrection story because it was first told to her in the garden when she met the risen Christ to go and tell his disciples. What happened? She met the Saviour. Her life was changed, she was brought into his company, and she committed herself to live for him from that day forward. And there's the power of conversion. What about you tonight? Are you held back by certain devils that are working your life? You know nothing of perfect deliverance, but there's one who can deliver by his mighty power to change, to bring you into his company. So that you can live for the honour of the Lord. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to our hearts this evening.